welcome back to Let's Talk Movies. I'm Brad. And I'm Miguel, guys. And this is our full review of the Snyder Cut. It has finally arrived. I'm sure everybody's gotten a chance to see it by now. Um, and it definitely met expectations. I think, uh, you know, for most people, it met the expectations and the hype of, uh, of what it was being built up to. So, Miguel, how the hell you doing, buddy? Pretty good, man. How was your weekend? Good weekend. You good were there weekend. for some of it. Yeah, <laughs> You were there for some of it. All right, so uh, if you're wanting our full Snyder Cut review, um, check in the description. I have the uh, exact minute and the, the timestamp of where we will begin that talk. But as you all know, uh, we like to start our show, our show out, if I can talk, with, <laughs> with a little bit of movie news. So um, some movie news that we got this week. Interesting stuff. Let me get this pulled up here. We screen sharing again, boys. We are screen sharing again. It's a new thing. All right, we have some Texas Chainsaw Massacre news, which is pretty interesting and pretty dope, if I may add. This comes to us from Bloody Disgusting. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Fede Alvarez, who is writing and directing the, uh, the newest sequel, which again, is a sequel to the original film, not a reboot, not a remake, nothing like that. Um, or excuse me, Fede Alvarez is producing. I cannot talk today. I don't know what the deal is. I can't talk. He's had a rough um, morning, guys. I, I have. I don't know why. I I'm losing it. Um, he's producing a feature film that is bringing um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series back. It is a direct sequel to the original. And he confirmed that and also said that we are going to get Old Man Leatherface, which is really, really cool. We've already gotten Old Man Michael Myers um, in Halloween 2018 and we'll continue that in Halloween kills and Halloween ends. But this is interesting because it's a much different setting. It's a much different character. I'm really curious to see how they do old man Leatherface and how that's going to change his character. Um, Fede was on the, the, the boo crew podcast, which if you guys haven't checked out the boo crew podcast for bloody disgusting, it's dope. You definitely should. Um, what do you think of the old man Leatherface deal, Miguel? Well, I mean, what is Leatherface? He's like last time I saw uh, Texas Chinatown Massacre. Leatherface was just like a grown man, but a child at the same time, right? Yeah, it's like a it's like a child in a grown man's body, and he. he I mean, so, so like, what's the, gonna happen? Is he gonna like act like a teenager in this one? I, I don't. <laughs> is, is that how? I, is that how? That's he what I'm. I'm really curious to see because I mean, all of his family would be. I mean, they would have died from old age by then. You know what Probably. I mean? So I, I assume this is just him alone. And, you know, in the original one, they kind of cared for him. And he was, you know, not cared for him because they were awful to him. You kind of feel bad for him in the original because of how terrible his hick family treated him. But um, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see. I mean, this is you're talking almost 60 years after the events of the first one and he was probably in his 20s i would assume in the first film i mean he's he's been taking care of himself all this time he's been alone so i'm curious to i mean to see like how that changes his character and how that changes his weird screwed up mind um the other thing that fede alvarez said that i found really interesting was that everything is classic old school gags a lot of the approach that we had with evil dead um, was to never use VFX to do everything on camera. It's a very old school approach to filmmaking. Vintage lens lenses, it's very similar to the original film. 
which is awesome because I mean, if anybody who has seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that is a the the ambiance and the um, the atmosphere in that movie is really weird. And even if you look at the color grading, I mean, obviously because of the story and because of what it is and where it's set, it's got that hick out in the middle of nowhere, weird vibe to it where everything is just kind of like strange and unsettling. But um, I don't know. I, even in the color grading and the, 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 the tone of every shot, it's got this orangish brown. It, it looks very vintage, like he said. So I'm excited to see that they're, uh, they're going to bring back that vintage look to it. Yeah, same. And also, like, I was low-key scared of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was, like, oh, one yeah. of the ones that actually kind of freaked me out because, I mean, he is a deranged little guy with a chainsaw. And Absolutely. that's someone you want to get out of your way. Like, if you saw him, like, out in the street, yeah, that's someone you want to either want to put down or get the hell out of his way. And yeah. that poster right there I'm looking at, that is scary as hell. Yeah, this is the lie. official poster we got a few weeks ago. Or not a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Um, and it's got the caption at the bottom. Uh, in 1974, the world witnessed one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history. In 2021, the face of madness returns. As far as I've seen, this is not going to get pushed. I don't know what they have filmed. Um, I haven't really taken that deep of a dive into it yet, but I, it's interesting. And if you notice, do you see right here on his chin? Yeah, I see. Is? Yeah, the original, I, I noticed uh, that. I thought that was pretty dope. I think that's really cool. Have you noticed anything else on this poster? I don't see anything other than No, that. I didn't really see anything else. I think it was that one. Um, mm. But the other thing also coming to us from Bloody Disgusting that I found really interesting um, is that they are bringing back Sally, who was the final girl in the original film. Of course, the last time we saw her, was she escapes that disgusting dinner table scene and runs out of the house and she gets in the back of the truck um, and she's driving away while um, Leatherface is just kind of screaming and in anger and frustration and what his just fit of rage in the street and it cuts to black, which is a gorgeous shot. Have you ever seen the original film? I don't remember it, honestly, but I do remember that scene. Yeah, that it's an amazing ending scene because it just kind of stops like it's this like wild and crazy moment and then it just cuts to black and it's over. Um, but this is and I am going to say her name wrong. Um, Olwen Fowere? 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 I don't know. It's, I, it sounds French. I apologize. Um, I have seen her before. She seems like a great actress. Um, but again, they've never brought back Sally, who was in the original film, the original final girl. Um, I'm very curious to see how they bring her character back because you got, I mean, it, this isn't like a, uh, I don't think they would take the, the Michael Myers route where he's going to go after her like they did in some of the later Halloween sequels. Mm -hmm. He just lives out in there, out in the, the middle of nowhere in Texas. And that was like just happenstance that she ran into him so i mean you got to think if you're sally and you're an old woman now and you survived this god-awful terrible crime you're not going to go back there you know what i mean yeah it doesn't pretty it doesn't make any sense for her to go back but i don't know um i'm curious to see how they meet up like what i, I don't know like how are how did the two of them come back into contact with each other um but yeah, Marilyn Burns, who played Sally in the original film, she passed away back in 2014. Um, 
but you know we had texas chainsaw 3d and this article brings that up which was another direct sequel to uh the original i didn't have a problem with it i thought it was i thought it was kind of cool it was mm-hmm. a it, there was like the whole weird do your thing cuz moment at the end like it was it was kind of strange it didn't feel as serious as the original one but it was fun i mean just it was fun just to you know see that on screen again mm-hmm. um but again did this you, article did you says see it in 3d i did i actually saw it with chris and my dad in 3d we went and How, saw it i mean did the 3d like enhance anything or was it just like eh. not really it was cheap 3d yeah it was not, not it, it didn't stuff. really it didn't really add to it didn't add to the whole story you know you'll you'll think this is funny that when the studio was originally going to do rob zombies halloween 3 before they rebooted it and sold the rights to Blumhouse, was it gonna be they 3D? were going to do Halloween 3D. That would have been the worst. You want to talk about H2 being bad? No yeah. thanks. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't sound like much of an interest to me. I don't know. 3D movies are starting my thing. Yeah. And plus, if anyone does 3D, it's like I don't know. You got to make the whole movie like directed towards 3D, and that could take away from the story itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, I, I haven't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 3D. And that's a really creepy shot right there. Yeah. So this is, is who she tied uh, to hands. She is. She is tied to like the the chair and the arm of the chair is her hands. It's a disgusting scene. Like I, you know, I, I will say the the remakes from um, two thousand three and two thousand six, I believe. Um, the reboot. It's one of the better reboots of a horror franchise from the two thousands. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the best of the remakes, but I'm I'm very excited. You know, even the article we just talked about to see that old vintage style. They're bringing back the same camera angles, the same vibe, um, and the fact that we're getting Sally back. I thought that was really interesting, and I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I think it would be so. cool to see. I like these new reboots of a uh, old movie of these old horror movies, and they're yeah. actually like bringing old cast because let's be honest, like back in like in the, I guess it was like the early '90s or so like when these horror movies were like dropping and they were just like hey we gotta make another sequel bang bang boom they were just really cheap let's be honest well and not only that but honestly i've only seen bits and pieces of the the tcm sequels Mm -hmm. because they're not serious they it was like horror comedy the original was very serious and very gritty and very dark and then like part two and part three I mean, it was, it was stupid. It was, there was, it was literally to be funny. Like that was the point. So yeah. I, I'm excited to see like a really serious take on the original, but all yeah, right, we'll moving see. on. Ace Ventura three is in development <laughs> at Amazon, which I think is awesome. I loved Ace Ventura as a kid. It was one of my favorite movies. Um, and I mean, Jim Carrey, you listen, a lot of, a lot of people, Carrey. honestly, but a lot of people are like, you either got to love Jim Carrey or you just absolutely hate him. I've met plenty of people that are like, oh, his comedy just isn't that. It's just mm. kooky. But if you like kooky, Jim Carrey's your guy. I mean, look yeah. at the fucking repertoire this man has. The Cable Guy, um, The Mask, Ace Ventura, and just a whole plethora of others. And, like, he did a decent job in Sonic. I'm not going to lie. I had, my, I had such low standards really? when I saw him. Yeah, but he actually did pretty well in that movie. He was pretty funny in that movie. So I would love to see what he thinks, what what more uh, idiotic things he can think of, and uh, Ace Ventura three. Cause you know they did a like another Ace Ventura movie where it was like yeah part son. two. No, it was like no like the sun. It was like a third installment. 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Sucked. Oh, I'm not gonna I lie. Didn't, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah, so I'm in, I'm pretty interested to see how this plays out. I don't know. I had no idea that was even a thing. Yeah, nobody does. I just found, <laughs> I just I just came upon it on Netflix. So right, I'll just leave it at that. But this article is from comicbook.com. Here's what it had to say. Ace Venture 3 is reportedly in development as Amazon Prime Video. Interesting that Amazon is doing this, similar to how Amazon did the Coming to America sequel, which I still have not watched, and I really want to watch it. It is blowing up, man. It is apparently really good. It's matching a lot of ticket sales or, you know, subscription sales, whatever the hell. However the hell they measure those now, because, you know subscribe like you know like uh streaming movies that come out like release dates like it's hard to like Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to know how they're doing because usually you can tell by the box office but this is just by streams so it's kind of hard but nevertheless coming to america 2 is apparently doing fantastic that's good and that just means amazon prime is like gonna like start kicking out all these other comedies and i'm all for it yep absolutely um Interesting that you had brought up Sonic because Pat Casey and Josh Miller, who wrote Sonic, are writing the third Ace Ventura film. And um, here is what uh, Morgan Creek had to say in a statement. Um, We're pretty excited about our franchise developments with the Exorcist and Ace Ventura franchise. I didn't even know they were the ones doing the Exorcist reboot. Um, But she said, during COVID, audiences have been in love and are thrilled to have beloved characters brought back with new stories. Ace Ventura will see a new day at Amazon as a major motion picture theatrical with the Sonic the Hedgehog writers. So it will be at Amazon. Do you think, after reading that, do you think it'll get a theatrical release? Or is this just going to be on Amazon? I mean, it might. I mean, if they say, if they have goals to get it at their actual release, I did not say that right. If they have goals to put it in theaters, uh, by all means, go for it. Because when it, whenever, whenever this movie comes out, what are they talking about? 2021 or yeah. 2022? I believe this year. Okay. Well, I mean, movie theaters are going to be start coming out more. So, I mean, I'm all for yeah. it. By well, the way, go go up. Look at that picture, though, man. That's, know, a, that's right? a beautiful mural. Like, I'm going to get that framed in my room. Right. You want to get that hanging on the wall above your bed? Yes, absolutely. You want that staring 100%. at you all day? Absolutely. That's what you want hey, staring man. at you. Jesus. I can't see eyes, so it's not going to freak me out. But, you know, even just like you said, interest in H. Ventura and a lot of other 80s and 90s comedy... (coughs) Whoa. (laughs) In your Comedy films have surged in the last few years, especially in 2020, where where new content was thin. I think... Has I got to sip my water before I choke on my own tongue? (laughs) Um you know that that kind of sums it up even with coming to america i think people were going back and watching all these old films and these I mean, studios yeah. the, the studios are realizing that they're still profitable that's why we're seeing another texas chainsaw reboot that's why we're seeing um you know this hbo uh last of us adaptation which we're getting ready to talk about that's why we're seeing the increase in marvel and star wars tv shows is I've, I think they're finding new ways to go back and tell these stories that's not just another theatrical release. Because, I mean, you know they have to spend a ton more money to get it as a theatrical release than... And I'm, I know they have to pay Amazon and HBO and Peacock and all these other things that they're putting these TV shows and movies on. But I still don't cheaper. think... 
yeah i mean it has to be the studio must be saving a little bit of money than if they had to sell it to um the big theater chains you know mm-hmm. so i agree and hopefully whenever this movie comes out i mean it just continues to push narrative that most of right. these like hidden gems just i mean they need to come out again like you know i have like our my hot take on like reboots as we've discussed in one of our other podcasts but mm-hmm. i mean i don't know ace ventura just has a special place in my heart so i'm all for it if they want to keep shooting out those movies and if jim carrey is uh young down. yeah if he's young enough and willing to put out more material by all means because you know jim carrey went from like this goofy uh kind of guy to a real like you know uh manifesting like uh wizard you know how you know how he's gotten recently like yeah, very, yeah, yeah. Uh, very ground to earth uh-huh. so like, but when that but whenever that was happening and then he did sonic the hedgehog and then he knocked that out of the park i mean hell he, he could do he could do it all he gets kicked the switch anytime he wants so i want to yeah. see him flip the switch in this movie yeah and i mean even at the the bottom of this article from comicbook.com it says more to the point amazon studios is quickly seeing the value in investing in nostalgic sequels um, yep. And it goes on to talk about coming to America. And now that they're bringing back Ace Ventura, I, it's a big deal. And they know that they're going to profit off of it. And they know that people are going to want to see it. So it's a win for everybody. So, I'd say so, yeah. But moving on, a little bit of news about The Last of Us, which I've been very excited for any news about this. I loved those both of those games. Um, and I, I, I'm very excited to see that they're adapting this because it's very adaptable. And I, I thought that from the, the minute I, I finished the first game, I was like, this needs to be a movie or a TV show because it's that good. The story is so easily adaptable to, mm-hmm. you know, to meet this format. Um, and here's what this news is. The Last of Us on HBO will directly lift dialogue from the original game, says executive producer Neil Druckmann, who also created the game. Um, but we'll see some episodes deviate greatly from the events we played previously. Um, The article goes on, um, and Neil Druckmann says that we talked at length that season one of the show is going to be the first game. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a minute. That's interesting to me, because that first game is a lot of content, and it covers a lot of ground. So, A, the first thing that pops into my head is how many episodes is it going to be? Because mm-hmm. I think you need more than six episodes or so to tell that story. That's a big story to tell in one season. Um, yeah. I mean, you see how some episodes on Netflix are. I mean, some are like 10 or 11, maybe even 12 episodes. Right. And for with 12 episodes, I'm sure they could tell the story. But it's just, what I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to make two seasons then? Mm-hmm. If that's the know. case, then by all means, make. I have no idea. A limited series then. Yeah, uh, um, if it is, and hopefully they are not. Hopefully, they don't crunch it all up because I hate that. I hate yeah. it when they like when they put themselves in a box and they gotta like crunch all of these little things that happens. Because guys, I haven't played Last of Us, but I could probably tell if they if I could I could tell if they're trying to like scrunch things into like one season because I mean it'll it'll feel rushed, right? Because we as a we as a movie goers don't like to feel rushed into these scenarios like we want the thing to play out we're getting ready to talk about it yeah Whedon's justice league versus Zack snyder's justice league yeah we'll talk about that i mean duh you know but um you know neil Druckmann and um and the the guy doing the tv show said that the fit the 
um, philosophical underpinnings of the story were the essential thing to get right about the adaptation. As far as the superficial things, like should a character wear the same plaid shirt or the same red shirt, they may or not may not appear in it, and that's way less important than getting the core of these of who these people are and the core of their journey. Um, and I mean, obviously, Neil Druckmann's a storyteller, man. That that game is such a great story. I I think that they're really going to focus on the journey of what Joel and Ellie went through. So I, I'm very, very excited for this adaptation. Um, and he goes on to say, for example, in the game, there's so much action you have to train. You have to you have to train the player about mechanics. You have to have more violence and more spectacle to some degree than you would need on a TV show because you don't need to train people how to use a gun. So that's something that's been really different. And HBO has been great in pushing us to move away from hardcore action and focus more on the drama of the character. Some of my favorite episodes so far have deviated greatly from the story, and I can't wait for people to see them. Mm, Now, I... I'm excited by this, but at the same time, it's still the zombie apocalypse. You still have to, there has to be some action and some gory shit going on in it. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, even look at the, look at the clickers. He, you know, Druckmann goes on to say at the bottom, he just saw the first prosthetic test for the clicker and it's awesome. It's so rad to see this thing come to physical life. Have you seen the clickers in that game? They're terrifying. And it makes me excited to see that they're using prosthetics. So that tells me that they will, um, there will be an element of, uh, you know, of, of like of, actual of like, horror, of horror mm-hmm. and of, yeah. of action to it. it. Because, you know, it's going back to what Neil said at the top. Yes, you, you have to have more but I hope that they don't bleed the game of all of the action and all of the suspense and the drama and the horror aspects, because that was one of the strongest aspects about it. It's, I, it's rare to find a game that's genuinely scary and that genuinely freaks you out at times. And the last of us was an example of a game that genuinely freaks you out at times. It catches Mm. you off guard. You don't know what's around the corner. It makes you think about your next move. And that's, that was what made it so unique. That's what made it so, fantastic to begin with so i'm i'm very excited to see uh this adaptation come to life i have to play this game sounds like you do need to play this game you would love this game i'm trying to get my dad to play it it's phenomenal it is phenomenal well if i ever have like you know 12 hours of my day free i'll play it right or it sounds like what you do best and you'll uh you'll watch the full run through on youtube yep i don't know i did that Yep. you'll just you'll just watch the story <laughs> that's but, all it's all i'm there for yeah um next little bit of news we have some black widow news and this kind of ties in to some venom news which is interesting um did you see that venom got pushed to september 17th i did well interesting enough venom put on that thing on the 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 announcement that uh that it was being pushed to september 17th it said only in theaters and it was the same exact thing that um the spider-man no way home poster had on there i think they're really uh they're really pushing anything to do with this spider-verse they want people to know that this is only going to be in the theaters and i think that's part of disney's push to get people back in the movie theaters 
because they know that people are going to want to go see this um this whole this new spider-verse idea you know what i mean yeah people are going to want to go see it in a movie theater but interestingly black widow um this article talking to uh comicbook.com and the hollywood reporter talking to disney ceo bob chapek um he had said our situation and our conditions change just a few weeks ago theaters in new york and los angeles weren't even open now all of a sudden they're open so we're waiting to see how prospective theater goers respond to these reopenings we're going to remain flexible we'll make the call probably at the last minute in terms of how these films come to market whether it's black widow or any other title so originally disney had said you know we are going to get black widow um in the theater it's going to yeah. be in the theaters only now they kind of seem like they're unsure like they don't really know which is kind of strange because i think more movie theaters are open now than were then so like why this change of heart and why this change of um of being unsure in uh in releasing it in theaters i'm not sure and it's kind of interesting that, you know, for Spider-Man No Way Home and for Venom, I know it's two different, you know, Black Widow's coming out halfway in the year when Spider-Man and Venom are coming out in the last half, but, uh, or towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But it just, it's two very stark, only in theaters or like, we're still unsure. We don't really know what we're going to do. So I, I'm, what do you think they're, they're thinking? Like, why are they, why do they seem so unsure about releasing Black Widow in theaters? I mean, it's probably because of the pandemic, obviously, because I mean, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know what I can tell you, but um, people are still like kind of hesitant about wanting to go to the movie still. And honestly, have you have you been like keeping track of the news recently about people going to the movie theaters? Mm-mm. Like, people aren't really all that ecstatic from like the initial uh, opening of these movie theaters. Like, they'll interview some people and they'll be like, "Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was fun." Like there's oh, no I'm enthusiasm. Excited. Yeah, come exactly. In, like you and me. me. Yeah, exactly. Me. I'm, if you I'm if excited. you were me, if you were me, were ever interviewed, boy, I would be blowing up the airways oh, with yeah. my enthusiasm. Like I'd be like, hell yeah, this is awesome. But I guess some people don't. I guess the people they interviewed at, at that time, they were like, yeah, it was fun. Like no, man, you've been in your house for like fucking a whole ass year, or like you've been like stuck or like kept away from all these things for like a whole year, and now you have opportunity to do these things, and yet you're not excited no get out of here you clearly you clearly don't care yeah interview Mm -hmm. us interview us when we go see kong i promise you right you'll 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 get some good content guys yeah definitely so um but i i thought those were some interesting tidbits of news but i wanted to talk about resident evil briefly Mm, because it's been revealed by writer director um johannes roberts that the title the official title of the resident evil reboot is resident evil welcome to raccoon city boom your what? thoughts what i guess i guess it's gonna be raccoon city i guess i don't know what to fucking tell you well i mean it's gonna be at the mansion because he also said the other day that to quote johannes roberts the mansion is scary as fuck oh, okay I don't know. Maybe it's going to be like half of it's going to be at the mansion. Yeah, and half well, of it's and going to be a Raccoon and, City. And we talked about that last episode with this reboot. Is I, at what point? Because there is a little bit of time in between the mansion mm-hmm. incident and what happens in the Arclay Mountains to 
what happens in Raccoon City and that outbreak when Raccoon City is ultimately destroyed. So are, are we going to, is there going to be a time jump halfway in the movie? Are we going to see the epilogue or the, the prologue um, basically about the mansion incident and then the remainder of the movie about the Raccoon City incident, just like we were talking about with The Last of Us. There's a lot of content and a lot of story that you got to jam pack in one movie. You know what I mean? That is a yeah. lot of characters and a lot of villains and a lot of expedition that you got to shove in an hour and a half, two hour slot. That's going to be a big task. And I don't want them to leave out a whole bunch of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Johannesburg, to... please don't fuck up this movie. I beg of you. Don't, I... don't, don't scrunch this stuff either. God swear. Well, and we'll riot. He seems like a, a genuine fan and that excites me. Um, but, I, you know, I, we were talking about that with Mortal Kombat the other day. I think part of the reason that video game adaptations fail is they either go, like, too extreme on either end. And I feel like you have to find a good balance of, like, you stay true to the game, but you also make it your own and you also do something different with it. Because you can't – I understand that you can't do an exact adaptation of the game. It can't be exactly the same. But you also can't do what Paul W.S. Anderson did with the Resident Evil franchise and just like take it out in left field because that doesn't it, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't serve. It doesn't serve any purpose. It does yeah. not. It doesn't serve the story. So I, I like the title. It makes me think that we were right and that act one will probably take place at the mansion and act two and three will probably take place in Raccoon City. But again, my fear is that that's a lot of content and that's a lot of story that you got to shove into an hour of a movie. Um, exactly. And you know, I, I've always I would much thought... rather you're good. I was going to say, I'd much rather hear uh raccoons. Welcome to raccoon city is like the sequel. I'm not going to lie. I don't know. It's interesting. Like, it would have been just, it would have been fine with just resident evil. And then the sequel would have been welcome to raccoon city. That would have made sense to me. It's an that would have at thought. least kept me, uh, that would at least kept me uh comfortable with the fact that like okay they're gonna take their time with this yeah people don't fucking take their time with this shit oh my god everyone just wants fucking fan service i'm sorry guys like i'm so sorry i know we're fans and like if if we want some i mean they're gonna give it to us but then they just like i don't know they just the fans oh my god i love us but i hate us at the same time because we just want things so quick but then when they give it to us it's like rushed and it doesn't look good yeah i hate it (laughs) Well, and here's the thing about the Resident Evil reboot. I've always felt like what made the original games, what took place like Raccoon City and before, Mm -hmm. so interesting is that it's like there's so many different layers. You know, you have everything that happened in the discovery of the virus with the progenitor virus and the T virus. Um, You have everything from the first game with like Bravo team and Alpha team going into the mansion and everything that happened there. Um, you have Birkin in the labs and him trying to sell the virus and then Umbrella going in and releasing the T-virus, which caused the Raccoon City outbreak. I mean, there's there's just so many things that they have to shove in this movie. And I know they can probably, I, I'm sure there's a way to do it creatively where you don't have to show every bit of it. You can just explain it. Mm. but is it going to be as effective i don't know about that yeah yeah. i wouldn't like you know what i mean yeah like i feel like you have to show things like that and because it's so layered um if they can pull that off 
I'll be really happy if they can get the uh, the 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 same vibes that you got in the original games. That's what I want. Have you played Resident Evil Outbreak? I have not played Resident Evil Outbreak. Dude, it has got one of the best intros to a video game I have ever seen in my entire life. It it's creepy. It it gives you that layered feeling of like even what's going on in the labs and what's going on in the sewers and what's about to go on in the streets of Raccoon City. It creates a sense of dread that even if you're hiding in that closet, even if you're alone in your bedroom locked with a gun, it's still not going to be enough. It's you, you are trapped and you are screwed. And it gives you that feeling of creepiness. And that's what I hope that they can bring to uh, to the to this reboot is I, I want it to feel like the original games felt. Mm-hmm. I think if they can do that, Resident Evil fans are going to be happy. Yes, let's hope so. I'm I not going to so. lie. I definitely hope Please so. Please don't fuck this up. Um, yeah. But, all right, we're finally here. This is, uh, we're getting into some stuff about the Snyder Cut now. And I wanted to bring this up. I think it's really important and I think it's really cool. Um, did you see HBO Go crashed in Asia because of the Snyder Cut releasing? Did it really? Yep, it crashed. There were so many people logging on to... Um, hbo go in asia since like 2 a.m on thursday when it opened that it was crashing there were like 127 outages reported um according to this article from comicbook.com because of that um and the hbo asia twitter account said hi everyone we're working hard to restore service sorry to keep you waiting but thank you for your patience um and that goes to show you how big the snyder cut was around the world so many people wanted to see it so many people wanted to watch it but Something that I thought was interesting um, came out of this article, and I I just highlighted it in blue right there. Um, As for the film itself, Snyder has said that, unfortunately, the Joss Whedon cut of the film is probably considered canon for the movie universe, and he understands why fans would be frustrated with that. Um, And Zack Snyder goes on to say, I understand the frustration. If someone was frustrated by that concept, I wouldn't say don't be frustrated by it. It's fine to be frustrated by it. I'm frustrated by it. So I would only say, though, that there is a different, the grander, greater concept for the DCEU is on another road. And there's nothing I can do about that. That is just, it is what it is. It's not my decision. I get it. I got the fans. Bring out the fans. I know, right? Bring, bring, them, bring them out. Bring them yep. out. I uh, I don't know. I it sucks that it's not canon because it was so good. It was so, it was the best DCEU film, and I think one of the biggest compliments I can give the Snyder Cut. And you know this when we talked about the DCEU in episode what was that four or five? Yeah, somewhere back in there. Um, we are not the biggest fans of the DCEU so far and what they've done with it. Um, I like the DC characters. I just, it, it hasn't, it hasn't hit the mark really. I like both Wonder Woman films fine. Um, But other than that, it was kind of just lukewarm for me. But one of the biggest compliments I can give the Snyder cut is that it restored my faith in the DCEU. And I know it's not Canon, just like, Zack Snyder said the Whedon cut is canon, but um, I, I don't know. I, I, I hope that they do sequels. I hope that we get sequels from this. Um, and just the, the fact that this was such a big deal, 
Um, I also wanted to be sure to show this because I thought this was so cool and so important. Um, there were so many directors showing up to congratulate Zack Snyder. Uh, the Russo brothers who obviously directed um, two or three MCU films, they directed what? Um, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. They directed Infinity War and Endgame. Um, they tweeted at Zack Snyder and said, from two superhero junkies to another, so excited that your vision has been truly realized. Much respect. We'll be watching along with everyone else. I think that is freaking awesome, man. This is the kind of shit we need to see. Um, <laughs> even, yeah, plug for Ryan. Right? Even Ryan Reynolds. Um, he had said, happy St. Patrick's Day and good luck to the Snyder Cut on HBO Max. Um, and he replied to himself and said, maybe it's the aviation gin talking. But Green Lantern was nothing to fear. Uh, hundreds of incredible crew and cast members did amazing work. And while it's not perfect, it ain't a tragedy. Next time, I won't wait a decade to watch. Ryan Reynolds had never seen Green Lantern, his Green Lantern serious? movie. He had never watched it. So he watched that in preparation, even though I know it's not the same universe, for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, Matt Reeves, who's of course directing the new Batman reboot that's, I believe, supposed to come out next year. Um, Matt Reeves tweeted at Zack Snyder and said, what a long, painful, epic journey to this day, my friend, but you did it. So happy your vision is finally being shared with the world. Can't wait to see it. Um, yeah, I, I uh, if you look down here, Zack Snyder says to uh, Ryan Reynolds, maybe someday I'll bring over some hand on stone bourbon and we'll do a double feature of those two. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I love that. The both that's of them. pretty funny. Um, but I just, I think it's so amazing, man, to see other filmmakers and actors and uh, Hollywood stars congratulating him. Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg and who got dragged through the mud in that Josh Whedon or Josh Whedon cut, said, this is for those that fought. This is for those that believe this belongs to each and every one of you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Now let's break the internet, which of course, I mean, we know HBO Max crashed. It was a whole big deal. Um, and you know, it, it goes on Zach Penn, a whole bunch of other people just talking about how important, uh, the Snyder cut was and congratulating Zach Snyder, uh, yeah. in completing it. And I think that is amazing. I think it was beautiful. Um, and, and it, it's very well-deserved with Ray Fisher. Um, like I could tell that he was now, now seeing the movie, the Zach Snyder's cut. Like I could tell why uh, Ray Fisher was all about this movie coming up because let's be honest, Cyborg was like the heart and soul of this movie. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. They absolutely Josh Whedon, like I love you, man, but you gutted Cyborg throughout. Oh, the he dipped him movie. in that movie, man. <laughs> Cyborg was he was pointless in the the theatrical cut. Pointless. Exactly. I didn't see why josh whedon would want to like just cut all that out it made no sense yeah but now seeing this seeing the, the Zack snyder cut like this guy was a heart and soul of the movie even the flash i was surprised oh, yeah how much i actually enjoyed the flash in this movie mm -hmm. that last scene too which by the way like i don't know i'll try to be as spoiler free which by the way if you haven't seen it give me a fucking break anyway oh this is gonna yeah. be a spoiler review so when yeah. we get into this in a minute you're if you have not seen let's just say this right now if you have not seen Zack Snyder's Justice League, this is not That's the it. review for you. You need yeah. to watch it and then come back because yes. this is going to be crazy spoiler film. Yeah. So as I was saying, like in that last scene with uh, the Flash, 
and him actually showing the true nature of the speed force that's such a different take of the speed force yeah. did you not know that mm-hmm. like i've seen the flashpoint i've seen all the other like flash uh incarnations of their idea of the speed force this was a whole new thing and i like this it one was the best absolutely yeah it was wild yeah. and like just seeing how um he was able to like use the speed force to fix that little fuck up that just happened like it was insane i love that scene wholeheartedly yeah and um i don't know like i can tell why everyone was excited to see zach snyder i could tell why everyone was pushing for it because it's an actual decent it's a really good movie uh with everything from action dialogue the only thing i will mention is the goddamn pacing but mm. we'll get to that but like when it comes when it came down to actual nitty-gritty action it it slapped these yeah. that last that like slow-mo shot of uh all the justice league jumping into the building that was badass yeah. it reminded me of the age of ultron scene you know what i'm talking about yeah. well i i absolutely and I mean, before we get into any of this, I uh, I want to be clear that this needs to be said. This is a huge deal for Zack Snyder. And we just talked about that with all the other directors. Um, and I think I speak for you. I think I speak for me from superhero fans everywhere. Congratulations, Zack Snyder, for yeah. getting this thing realized. Because this is a really, really big deal. And we want to congratulate you. I know you're probably not watching this, but if you are... We want to congratulate you um, on bringing your vision to life. And sir, you have made your daughter very proud. She's looking very down much. and she is very proud right now. So um, I hats off to you, man. It was great. Hats off. You're going to make me sound like a dick now that I'm going to mention all these other stuff. No, no, no. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's all subjective, man. I mean, it's, yeah. it's you know, nothing. I, I, okay, I kind of no, had, had this in parts, basically. Mm-hmm. I, I basically made notes as I watched because that was it was easier for me to to process but what yeah. were you going i was gonna say like the movie itself was fantastic the, one of the, one of the best superhero movies i've seen in a while like it obviously it's been a while since we've had any and uh the only thing i can say is that it was it did not need to be four hours mm. you know what i mean i kind of disagree with you actually and i'm shocked that i do but i do well i like i don't know like the first half i mean I told you I saw it first before Brad did, and I texted him a warning. I said, "Hey, listen, man, I know you're going into this movie with like low expectations. Just want to let you know, the first half is slow as hell." And I just said, "Just wait, just wait it out. As soon as the half mark hits, you'll 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 start seeing the gears start turning." And it did. I'll admit, I don't know what part it was, but like it was like at one point it just like kicked off, and it was like all all full deck like they were just going full steam ahead and um but like the first half of it it just seemed really slow and it was mainly dialogue which was cool and everything we, we i mean we got to see character development the first half yes. was all about character development like letting mm-hmm. know about of cyborg flash and wonder woman and aquaman to a certain degree i mean here he got his own solo movie but they all got their own like perspectives and how this team is going to be or how they feel about the team and it was cool and everything. Yo, also, they made they made Darkseid a little bitch in the first half. Did you see that? Darkseid? Yeah. Like, whenever they were talking about the yeah. history of him, yeah, he got his ass clapped well, by all the old G superheroes. Yeah. It, it's funny because, you know, starting with part one, um, my, my initial thoughts were, 
holy crap it looks so much better than the theatrical cut does the way mm-hmm. it looks uh the graphics the cgi um it had a darker cinematic lighting which i really liked the lighting was different it was mm-hmm. more um shadow based it wasn't just like everything was like you could see it all there were things in shadows and there were things that you didn't see um the color grading everything was good and i also thought i it took me a little bit to to warm up to it but i when i started watching it i thought what the hell what even julia said why is it why is the aspect ratio so weird it wasn't widescreen but it wasn't full screen it was like a strange it looked tall but that aspect ratio um was very much intentional it was basically um what they would use for IMAX because this was shot as an IMAX movie and per Zack Snyder he said my intent was to have the movie the entire film play in a gigantic 143 aspect ratio on a giant IMAX screen superheroes tend to be as figures they tend to be less horizontal maybe Superman when he's flying but when he's standing he's more of a vertical everything is composed and shot in that way and a lot of the restoration is sort of trying to put that back put these big squares back it's a completely different aesthetic it's just got a different quality that and one that is unusual no one's doing that and that shows how much of a unique filmmaker Zack Snyder is because he's thinking about it like a kid he's thinking about it and I don't I don't say that to be rude at all it's actually really creative he's thinking about it you know if you have a kid and you're playing action figures you're talking about your different like planes Mm -hmm. you're not just going to use what's directly in front of you on the ground that's not going to be your only plane. You're going to use above you. You're going to use the sides. If Batman is jumping off of a scaffold from above you, he's going to fucking come up down. You know what I mean? It's going to, yeah. going to see him coming down on you. If you have Superman flying, he'll be horizontal. He'll come into the frame, close up shot, and then go up. You know what I mean? He, th- he thought about this as if they were action figures almost. And I think that's cool. I think that's really creative and I think that's really cool. And once I kind of had that in my mind and once I realized how much you're seeing, because it's almost you're seeing less side to side and seeing more top to bottom. So Mm -hmm. it's like a larger shot, which is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, I think it's really cool. I was wondering why they did that with the in the beginning. Could you know how it said it made that statement? And I mean, I didn't, I couldn't tell at first, right? But like as I, as I like kept watching, I was like, wow, this is actually like a great shot. And mm-hmm. seeing how uh, Zack Snyder played it out and how he like formatted it, I mean, yep. that pretty much made the movie completely different as well. Yeah, like far from Josh Whedon's vision. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that they're doing the Justice is Gray cut, where it's gonna all be in black and white? Ooh, that's actually exciting. Yeah, I'm, I, I kind of want to rewatch it, and I'm excited to rewatch it anyways because there, it, there was so much. I want to go back and see what I picked up mm-hmm. from from the first time, um, but you know, still going into uh, it, talking about part one, um, seeing Lois and Clark's mom um, mourning Superman was really cool. I thought that was really creative. I will say, I wish we could have seen a little bit more of Lois Lane. I wish she would have been um, more of a a presence throughout the film and i know she was in it i know she had some good exposition and she had some good moments with superman once he came back but you know we we had this whole lois is the key and it like in the moment where she where we saw the pregnancy test in um in her drawer and things like that i 
they I feel like we built up a lot with Lois and it never really paid off. And I know that's partially because Zack Snyder intended this to be a part of the DCEU mm-hmm. and we would have gotten Man of Steel Part 2 or we would have gotten a second Justice League film where they could have explained it. Um, but I, I wish we could have seen a little bit more of a payoff for Lois's character. Um, what do you think of Steppenwolf in this movie? Yo, that design was actually pretty killer. I'm not I lie. thought Steppenwolf was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was way more of a badass than Darkseid in this movie. Yeah, for he sure. He really was. And- but I mean, he also got trashed at the end. Oh yeah, by the whole entire Justice League. Yeah. So like, I don't know. It made it made uh, Dark Side seem even more menacing mm-hmm. because knowing how like badass Steppenwolf was in the throughout the movie is just gonna show goes to show like how bad Apocalypse could have been. So mm-hmm. I mean, w- like whenever uh, whenever uh, Cyborg was seeing his visions and just seeing uh, Dark Side uh, like take out the Atlanteans. Yeah, like that scene right there was just so dark and so mm-hmm. badass to see. Seeing him with his omega beams and all that, I think he had anti life at that moment. Yeah, so like uh-huh. just seeing him like with that power, yeah, just absolutely frightening. Because yeah. Darkseid is a really like I like Darkseid. He's a cool more villain, yeah. Like, more than I like Thanos. Granted, comic book Thanos is fine. Is yeah. yeah, but MCU Thanos like did a really good job in presenting him, mm-hmm. but Apocalypse straight off the page badass yeah. villain just pure yeah. evil pure strength just every time you see him he just has like a um, a present it's like yep this is dark side yeah. he's, he's well, coming and i think dark side is um i i think dark side was pretty much pretty similar to the comic books as how he was in um in the snyder cut thanos though thanos was a little bit different i think thanos in the comic books did differ from thanos in the mcu and mm-hmm. that's fine i i loved thanos in the mcu i thought he was i thought it was great um but yeah i thought steppenwolf's design was great i think his intro was badass when yeah. he's in there with um all of uh the amazonians the amazons. Yeah, yeah amazons um and it it was a really really cool introduction to his character um and then going into part two it felt like ben affleck and all of the characters were so much more invested i don't know exactly how much they went back and reshot for this they dude it looks like they reshot an entirely different movie let's be honest it it really does so they probably so they probably were tired when they made uh the josh weeding cut yeah look i'll be honest Ben Affleck played Batman. He played he played Batman in that movie. Yeah. Well, and I here's the thing about Ben Affleck. I have never like if you would have asked me before I saw the the Snyder cut who was my favorite Batman, I would be like, "Oh, Christian Bale, duh." I I was never a fan of Batfleck ever. I was like I I think I for a while I thought he was the worst Batman. But again, it goes to show you how much shit that they cut out in that Joss Whedon cut because he became one of my favorite Batmans in this. He was dark. He was serious. He was gritty. It never showed him. And that, again, I was talking about like the, the shadowy, darker lighting. It doesn't completely show Batman in a lot of scenes. And I thought that was really creative. I thought that was really cool. Um, It was those, it was those scenes where he like, he wasn't there, but like he was there. Like yeah, the scene you just whenever... felt his presence almost. Exactly. And that's that's what Batman should be, man. 
Yeah, whenever he was uh, overwatching the break-in mm-hmm. into the little laboratory, like, that was a baller scene when he was just, like, overwatching everything. Like, yeah. that's, like, that was a pure Batman atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And then whenever he met uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon, like, just seeing him on top of that gargoyle, phew, my God. I know, man. Baller. And, and I don't know. Baller shots. I know we got that same scene in uh, in the, the Whedon cut, too, but it just... It wasn't the same. It, something about it. It was the lighting. It was the color grading. Something was different. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that his character felt so much more serious in this film than in the theatrical cut. Yes. I mean, oh in my- the theatrical cut, he was cracking like crappy jokes. And it, I was just like, this isn't Batman. Like, I feel like it's not like Walmart brand Batman. Mm-hmm. That's, That's what exactly it felt what like. I was, I was going to mention that is the fact that there are so many like kooky one-liners that was that was like entered that was like entered into the, into the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. Zach's not to cut all that shit out. It takes like, you out of the movie. It, yeah, like it, it doesn't seem to be like it's not necessary. It's like whenever Superman came back in the Josh Whedon, and then he and then Superman was like, "I know you didn't bring me back because you didn't like me." And that scene, Batman was like, "I didn't say I'd not like you." I was like that's not necessary i didn't laugh at that it was it was just yeah. not supposed to be there they cut that out they cut out a lot of it a lot of those one-liners that there was like well, you know we saw in the trailers and all that it did just he just like zach snyder wanted this to be serious like a serious right. movie and and that's another compliment i have is the movie feels serious it feels mm-hmm. like there's stuff at stake here yep. and that was one of my complaints with the theatrical cut the first time i've i've only ever seen the theatrical cut one time and I hated it. I, I didn't like it at all. It I, I just, I didn't like it. It wasn't good. Um, but I, I just, it, it, it seemed so much more serious. It took itself seriously, you know? And, and even with Batman, you can't have Bruce Wayne, who is seriously, he, he's the arguably the main character of the film. And he's trying to bring together this people because he knows there's a threat and he knows that they're all in danger. And then you have the same character in the same scene. And he's like, Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I, I never said I didn't like you. I like, yeah. You. Like, yeah. it's just like, what? Like, you can't be like serious and like, we're all going to die. And then in the next scene, it's just like, <laughs> like you, it doesn't make any sense. You just can't do that. Yeah, I agree. And oh, oh. just again, the atmosphere of this movie was by far different. And like, I just, I just like the way these characters felt more invested in it. Obviously, it's because this is like the initial first take of these of these characters, of these actors playing these characters, and. When it came to like Flash and Cyborg, like those characters, I could care less about them in the yeah. Justice League. And I could honestly care, like, I cared more about Wonder Woman and Batman than any of the other ones. But in this movie, I cared more about Cyborg and Flash than I did about Wonder Woman. It complete, it completely rearranged and changed my idea of, um, of the DC EU and of DC characters. Mm-hmm. You know, again. I've never been a Superman fan. I just, I don't know. Some, I, I don't even, I can't even articulate why. I've just never been a Superman fan. In this movie, I was a Superman fan. When he showed up at the end, when they were fighting Steppenwolf for the last time, I was like, here we go. They, we got him. The gang's all here. And I was hyped. Um, Cyborg. Good Lord, man. Cyborg, like you said, Cyborg and Flash were the heart of this movie. 
-hmm. Like I rooted for them so hardcore throughout the whole thing. Um, even Aquaman, I thought Aquaman was dope. In this yeah, movie. he did a decent job, but like it wasn't like his movie. Like it, it like right. it wasn't focused on him because we already have a a solo yeah. with him. So like he's he already was... been established. You don't need mm -hmm. to go he he's any further. Yeah, it's so, like, fine seeing was... Aquaman being Aquaman and having his weird drunk I'm a cool guy personality. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like this movie was supposed to be for the flash and cyborg because this was like their introduction we needed to know about these characters because we already know about mm -hmm. wonder woman batman superman and aquaman we already know everything about them yeah so this this was supposed to be mainly focused on those two and honestly zack snyder did a pretty banged up job on it really i still kind of don't like the cyborg cgi stuff but i know he'll get an upgrade no, and he'll i thought look it more looked he just looks a little bit skinny, a little, a little, a little thin. You know what I mean? But yeah, I'm sure that'll, that'll change good. over time. Um, really about the hour mark. I, I did think it was slow at the beginning. And I was, I was like, crap, man, I'm going to be disappointed in this. And I really don't want to be. But at the hour mark, I really got into it. And I was like, okay, never mind. Like this is, and it was also that first act was a little bit, it was a lot of the same footage we had already seen like Aquaman in the dock when he breaks the bottle and he mm -hmm. jumped it like we had seen all of that before so I was like okay it's nothing really new but when we got into um Diana and Bruce and her explanation of dark side and um that's when it started and changing. Steppenwolf that whole fight when she explained about all of the Amazons and the um uh Atlanteans the Atlanteans all Man. fighting them um that was a badass fight scene and it was really really well done it was gory there was some gore in it and i was like okay yeah we had a lot of people get cut in half i thought movie. it was really cool there was a really neat green lantern moment which i thought was pretty cool i i was happy to see a green lantern moment in there i was too and uh hopefully hopefully that scene right there like kind of like plants a seed to the dcu to bring green lantern back yeah. obviously we, i mean if you want to bring ryan reynolds that's fine he does okay just that script was terrible but well, you know at one point Zack snyder had told um the hollywood reporter that there was he said there was another idea i had for green lantern that wasn't ryan however i thought that if we had gone down this path with green lantern I would have had to have Ryan as the additional one, but that's another story. So in one, in one draft, he was going to put Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern in this, which I don't know. it, it would have been, that movie. It been fine. Yeah. But, um, that whole flashback was great. I, I thought that was really, 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 really well done. Mm -hmm. It was one of my favorite parts of the entire film. Um, and then in part three, which was Barry's introduction, I thought his opening scene with the car accident, um, seeing him as the Flash was really, really cool. Um, I love how geeky he is and just like, it, it, the, the thing about the comedy in this is that the comedy wasn't out of place. It was done yeah. well. He was funny and he was geeky and he was nerdy, but it was done right. He still had serious scenes and his character had a greater arc throughout the entire movie. It wasn't just like random jokes to get, thrown in you know what i mean it yeah. felt weird in the theatrical cut um like you can tell whenever like in the theatrical cut of this movie uh you could tell and whenever batman meets when meets a uh, the flash you mm -hmm. could tell where the original movie was there and then the 
the Josh Whedon cut was in. You know what yeah. I mean? You could tell. You could tell by the different. You can tell where the reshoots were. That's the best way to say it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you could tell where they were. And this one, like, it didn't seem like very cutty. It wasn't mm-hmm. like switching things up every now and you, you couldn't, couldn't you tell. tell because you there it was a tell. true film. And I don't know the comedy in that movie, like the little silly one side one liners. Yeah. They weren't as they weren't as like kooky, but they were meant to be there. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I agree with the like the whole. When it came down to the whole one-liners and stuff and the jokes, like they like those were supposed to be there. They weren't just added on later. Yeah. Well, even you know what what other other scene I really liked was when we were getting Cyborg's backstory. Um, and we were learning more about him and learning more about what happened with him, which again, I don't know why Joss Whedon ever cut any of that out because it made me care about him so much more. Mm-hmm than um th- than than in the theatrical cut but the scene um when he was playing football in the snow that looked amazing and a- another thing that was very visually appealing about this movie is that even in in the football scene and a lot of the action scenes in the flashback scene um with dark side and diana's explanation of him during crazy action scenes they did this thing where they would go from live action to slow-mo and then to live action and then go back to slow-mo again. And that was really creative. Yeah. I thought only, it was cool. The only thing I don't like about that is that there was a lot of slow-mos. When, there when were. slow-mos happen, they were great. And whenever when it, when it works, it works. But then whenever you have someone just like slow-mo standing there, you know what I'm talking about with the cop? It, it was like a slow-mo oh. of him just like standing and staring. Yeah, that wasn't necessary. And like it, like it was, it was during the time of the of that slow part of the movie, and that just made it feel really slow. At that, like I, I'm pretty sure the two of us can agree. Like at that, at that part, whenever the slow motion would happen, it was just like, come on, man. I, I get why this is four hours, but whenever the movie picks up and then the slow mos happens, it makes it even way cooler. Like, yeah. like I said, I didn't whenever, mind it. I look, I like, I'm not gonna lie, guys. I fell asleep in that first half. I, I did. Did it, you like, really? Yeah, I did. Wow. I woke up and I was like, damn it, I gotta go back. But then whenever it picked up, I was like, okay, now 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 I'm like in the seat watching the movie. Yeah. And like so like so when it came out to like the whole like area when they're trying to get into the into the building mm-hmm. with all the Justice League, that was a badass scene. I love oh, seeing yeah. all that action. Like yeah, all of that yeah, was yeah. great. And again, when it came to that last scene of all of them jumping to that building, it was killer. That's 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 a money shot right there. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and you know, even at the end of uh, the third part, when um, when Barry and Bruce meet up, and um, I-, I love it when they're getting into Bruce's car, and Barry says, "What are your superpowers again?" And Bruce goes, "I'm rich." Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yep, yep, that's what that it was, is. That wasn't that was in the Josh Whedon cut, but again, it yeah. made sense because the it atmosphere made, was there. Yeah, yeah, it was fine. Um, J.K. Simmons is fantastic in any role. You could yeah. put that man in a in a duck outfit, and he would still make it good. Um, and then, obviously, seeing Aquaman versus Steppenwolf was dope too. That was pretty cool. And again, that paid off because Aquaman was the one who really killed Steppenwolf at the end. Other than, I mean, I guess technically they all did because Aquaman stabbed him, and then Superman punched him, and Wonder Woman decapitated him. Which was yeah, bad. that scene, that scene alone, right there. Whenever uh, Apocalypse, like you know, caught Stephen Wolf's head and was just like, "Oh yeah," 
Yeah, just that stare down was just mm-hmm. so eager. Like we can look whoever played. I don't know who played Apocalypse, but yo, the CGI of Apocalypse was absolutely phenomenal. It was dark, mm. gritty. You could tell like they're in a different world and everything. Like in the dialogue he had in that movie, like whenever he was like talking to his um his followers, like that was some shit. Are you talking that, like, about Dark Side? Dark Side, yeah. Did I say Apocalypse? Yeah, it, I actually oh did that goodness. too at one point because I'm thinking like X Men. Yeah, I don't, okay. I don't know why. Sorry. It just sorry guys. They look similar. I think that's partially why. Probably, but okay. But. When it came to Dark Side and talking about all of that, like you could tell like how how absolutely like menacing this guy is. Whenever he made that like declaration of like now that I know where the anti life is, like mm-hmm. we will stop at nothing. Like when I when I saw that, I was like, Good God, this ne- like if there's a next movie coming. Like, it's going to be bloody. It's going to be crazy. It's going to yeah. be good. Um, part four, again, just uh, Batman is so much better. Um, the lighting when uh, Cyborg and The Flash and Wonder Woman and Batman are on top of the building with Gordon, I thought that looked amazing. Um, the fight scene in the, uh, it, it, was it the sewers or what was it exactly? It's I don't the even sewers, remember. Yeah. Wherever they were underneath of Gotham Harbor, um when they're fighting steppenwolf i thought it was incredible when aquaman showed up when uh when the flash was when diana was falling and the flash was running around the walls to like catch her and batman was fighting steppenwolf like that scene that was the first time i was like wow like i was that that was the first time i think i was really like holy shit this is good like that there's something really special here mm-hmm. um and then of course going into part five um i i like the twist that cyborg's power came from the mother box i thought that was really really cool and it, i wasn't expecting that i thought that was very creative and very different um all the emotional dialogue between lois and martha um i thought it was a really cool twist that the the mother boxes didn't call to steppenwolf purposely until superman died yeah because they were afraid of superman i thought that Mm -hmm. was really 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 cool the whole build up to to you know superman um coming back i thought that was they they the build up was perfect um do you think that lois is pregnant with their child no that's bruce's baby no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Doubtful, but it is a so theory. Good. I'm sure there's a theory running around over there about it. Mm. But I mean, that's obviously the, that could be the case because in an in, injustice storyline, that's how Superman lot like became the villain because the Joker tricked him into thinking Lois Lane was um, Doomsday. Mm. So Superman fought Lois Lane as if she was Doomsday, and that that doesn't play out well while she was pregnant like Ooh. yeah so not See, only I'm not as kill... familiar with that oh yeah yeah so it's, re- it's really it's really bad so that's then... what that's what the epilogue was talking about then yeah exactly so that's why okay so I like this so again in that epilogue again i don't think it was really necessary but th- th- i'm pretty sure they were talking about like that i think that's probably what happened like i think there was pulling... a lot in like a five minute span like yeah all, if you really like break down all the dialogue i actually went back um, at the point when Bruce wakes up, I went back and rewatched that apocalypse scene because I was mm-hmm. like, there was a lot that just happened and I didn't process everything. 
but that that makes sense now that you say that mm-hmm. but that's dark i think it's interesting how the joker wow. knew you know what i mean the joker knew that batman and the flash were like trying to create different timelines and they fucked up like two or three times like they've messed up a lot so it's interesting yeah. to know that they like he like batman has tried time and time again to prevent this you know what i mean yeah. mm-hmm. so it's it's really interesting the way they played it out it's like saying no matter what you're doing no matter what you do like yeah it's like it's like the theory of you throw a rock into a puddle like mm-hmm. the water's just gonna go around the rock and time is gonna continue playing the same way it was gonna be it'll always self-correct itself it's a fucking sad thing to like see and they pretty 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 much presented it and obviously it was great to have the joker say that because the joker is such a cynic so he's yeah. like hey bat look no matter what you're gonna do this is gonna happen and you gotta admit that it's your fault like you're the reason why this happens yeah and I, that gives batman so much more weight Mm-hmm. because it goes all the way back to batman versus superman because he wanted right. to kill superman and yeah that led to all of this happening and now he's trying to rectify that and um also that small little uh dialogue he had with joker and the batman when they were talking about like robin and harley quinn that was dark mm-hmm. i wish we're, we got to see that we're gonna get there i'm yeah I'm, I'm pretty excited about that um i love the confused superman scene i know we've already seen that i just I had fun watching it a second time. I thought it was cool. Um, and then Victor's father, I thought it was very honorable. That one-liner, that he, I'm sorry. That what? There was a one-liner in that in that scene, too. That they took out, yeah. Well, yeah, when, when Superman says to Batman, do you bleed? And it's like, he doesn't remember him. He doesn't remember Batman saying that to him. Exactly. So, like, what if you if the whole point of this scene is that Superman doesn't know who they are and he doesn't remember anything before he, like, was resurrected then why would you have him say something that would imply that he remembers who batman is like it that it doesn't even make any sense and i remember seeing that Zack snyder actually said that he would they were like why did you take that line out and because he was like it doesn't make any sense there was no reason for that line to be in there you yeah. know but um i thought it was very cool that uh cyborg's dad superheated the box purposely so that they'd be able to find it that was really cool um and then obviously in part six in this final part, um, everybody meeting Alfred was hilarious. When when Aquaman walked by Alfred and they were in the Batcave and Aquaman was like, shit's badass, Alfred. <laughs> this is like, I thought it was really cool. Um, and then their dialogue talking about like, you know, they'll be fighting if they really do this and they really go through with this plan to stop Steppenwolf, they'll be fighting the devil and his demons in hell. Um and, you know, I, Bruce saying that he doesn't care how many demons he fought and how many hells he's never fought us united. I thought that was amazing. The reunion scene with Superman with Lois and Martha and the cornfield was really, really well done. Um, what do you think of black suited Superman? I thought that was killer. I thought that I, was like, awesome. I wanted to see a black suited Superman. And I don't know. It was just the way they presented Superman to like, you know, I guess regaining his like view of the world because i guess yeah. he was like still like not able to remember anything how mm-hmm. it brought back not only uh i think it's jor-el like his father and then his stepfather or his like adopted father uh from what's his name what's his name i had his name uh you know what i'm talking about right yes I know who I, yeah i remember his when they when name. they had both of them talking to each other 
talking to Superman, I thought that was beautiful because mm-hmm. not only is he remembering where he's from, but he's also remembering where he was raised, and yep. it just keeps solidifying. So like it made mm-hmm. it made Superman more um, more uh, more important than in Man right. Steel. Yeah. So like it Definitely. it like so whenever I saw him like you know swooping up to the outside and gaining his powers from the sun, you know that's where he gets his powers right from the mm-hmm. sun. So like he's uh just seeing that just like set the tone for how important superman is Absolutely. and even though he wasn't even like he wasn't like the main character no not but at you all. can tell he was like he's an important person to have yeah 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 definitely um and again i i've never i was and this is not a dceu thing even even as a kid i was never a superman fan i don't he i just wasn't i know he was never my favorite but this version of superman and even in the black suit, I really dig it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's awesome. I, it, the, the Snyder Cut made me care about all of these characters so much more. And I've always been a big Batman fan. Um, and I've come to really like Wonder Woman too. But, you know, even speaking of Batman, we were talking about them taking all these, taking Superman more seriously and taking Barry and Victor more seriously. Um, the whole Batmobile chase scene when he was trying to lure away all the demon things from um from barry so he could supercharge for cyborg that Mm -hmm. was awesome man um the the whole batmobile thing was cool and it goes to show you what you know just taking the characters seriously does because i mean look at the theatrical cut you had him making all the crappy jokes and in this one batman held off an army of demon parademons they're called parademons whatever there you go um so yeah it was just really cool and then them all coming together with the batmobile and aquaman um surfing from like you know what i mean fighting the things in the air and surfing that was really cool um that whole final battle scene with steppenwolf was unfreaking believable mm-hmm. you know when uh what who was it that cut steppenwolf's ear off it was, was it superman, superman? it was yeah. superman yeah when he cut his ear off um I was I was thoroughly inc- impressed with the fight scenes and how they handled all of that, how the CGI's lo- or the CGI's how the CGI looked, how the visuals looked. Um, again, that slow motion to live action to slow motion, going back and forth, it, it it allows you. I know you weren't you weren't as much of a fan of that, but the thing that I liked about it was that it allows you to see like all of the detail of what's happening mm-hmm. because you have the main focal point like. In the one shot when Diana was going over top of you and you're seeing her do a flip or whatever, but at the same time, you have the Flash and Cyborg and Aquaman fighting in the background. It just, you get to see like a larger range of, of, um, of motion. And then uh, I thought, I didn't, I'm going to be straight up. I didn't know that Barry could heal when he got shot in the side. He has, he has, he has super speed. So obviously he has super healing. Right. But I didn't know that, that I, I, I guess I didn't make the connection. I thought that was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. I and thought whenever he got shot, I was like, well, damn, that plan's kaput. And then, you yeah. know, he ends up being able to self heal. And then when he did that whole thing, my golly, it, it made him one of my favorite characters in the movie, seeing him use yeah. the flash force. Absolutely. The speed force. And the, I think that was his that was the completion of his story arc was him ultimately you know being the one to 
to use 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 something that he's scared of yeah to use something when he because he had to talk himself into it he was like come on barry you gotta heal you gotta do this right now you just can't think about it you just gotta go and it was like he was trying to like convince himself and talk himself into it um and that i for me that was um the payoff of his of his character um i really liked and you've talked about this i liked that they didn't kill dark side off because again I don't know that we'll get a sequel. I know it's not DCEU canon, as um, Zack Snyder has said. But if we do get a sequel, we know where it's going. Yeah. You know what I mean? We know where it's going. Um, And then, of course, that ending shot when Superman pulls Batman up, which is cool because of their beef that they had before. And, like, it's that final shot of the Justice League standing there. That was dope. Mm -hmm. Looked phenomenal. Um. And then in the epilogue, like you were talking about, that whole apocalyptic dream sequence, um, you know, well, even before that, when Victor put the tape back together and he finally listened to uh, listen to what his dad had to say, um, showing Bruce and Diana and Alfred in what will be the Hall of Justice with the six chairs and the table. um, I would love to see how they do that in a sequel. Yeah, they show the Hall of Justice and what that would look like um bruce paying off martha's farm which was really really cool um the arkham asylum scene i was really happy to see an arkham asylum scene in there i thought that was pretty cool and it was cool to see uh lex luther and all of them come back mm-hmm. and i can tell how all of it's going to play out obviously like the <laughs> the league of doom is going to play a major role into yeah. uh, the downfall of uh, superman because like i don't know it's just being like honestly like jesse eisenberg's doing an all right job with lex luthor he's doing okay yeah yeah and he has he has more of like a a psychotic little feel to him Mm -hmm. but i mean it works for the atmosphere that is this movie yeah and also uh seeing a um deathstroke in this movie yep baller yeah i want to see him act and I, I'm glad that they threw that in, that, that whole thing with Deathstroke, death, death stroke. again, can't talk. You got um, <laughs> but honestly, I kind of felt like, you felt like the apocalyptic dream sequence didn't really need to be in there. I kind of felt like the whole Lex Luthor thing didn't really need to be in there. I was kind of just like, whatever. I mean, I mean it's cool. I know they're trying to lay the foundation for that. But I was just like, whatever. It, I, I don't know. Yeah, like that entire. Uh, I don't know the last the last ten t- ten to five minutes of the movie just seemed to be like, what could happen yeah. if you? Yeah, this this is that was Zack Snyder's little thing. He was like, let me add all this stuff here just to show you what you're missing. That way, you actually give me the universe. Well, and of course, he's trying to show that. I mean, obviously, I think that is his vision. But I think, like you said, he's also trying to be like, hey, fans, release the second Snyder Cut. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I mean, w- dude, what if they did it? What if they crowdfunded that shit? That wouldn't be bad. I mean, you have all these fan films. You have Dave McRae doing It's Me, Billy, which that trailer drops this Friday, by the way. You okay. have um, Vincent DeSanti doing the Friday the 13th fan films. There's that new Batman fan film that just came out that's supposed to be baller. I haven't watched it yet, but it's supposed to be incredible. It's like 25 minutes long. You have these high quality um, Hollywood quality 
fan films that are coming out now and they're being crowdfunded on Indiegogo. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's to say, I doubt this will ever happen, but if you open it up and you're like, Hey, the studio is going to cover this much. And then we are going to try to crowdfund as much as we possibly can. If you want to see the sequel to Zack Snyder's justice league, give us 20 bucks. Because if everybody, if everybody who campaigned so hard for this hashtag release the Snyder Cut thing gave 20 bucks, I guarantee you we would see a sequel. Yeah. I mean, the, these small 30 minute fan films are making 60,000, 120 grand on Indiegogo. I mean, could you imagine what something like this would make? Plus, if the studio could back the rest of it. I mean, it, that's why I don't understand the whole Warner Brothers thing with how they treat Zack Snyder. It, it's stupid because they're going to make money. And let's be real. That's what they care about. They want that money, money, money because it's a business. So I, I don't know why they won't do I mean, and it's fine. Like, I know Marvel's a little bit different. Marvel, we have an established universe. Mm-hmm. It's established. You, It'd be weird to go back and do another Captain America franchise with a different actor and a different story and a different universe, because it, it, it'd be like, why you already have this, this is established, but the Snyder verse is different. The DCEU is different. We already have multiple versions of Batman going on at the same time. We already have two different versions of justice league. We have Joker. We have this new um, suicide squad film coming out, the Harley Quinn film. It, it would work for that a little bit more to have a, theatrical dceu and a new smite uh spider verse snyder verse you know what i mean i do you think that could work i mean yeah it could i don't see why they shouldn't i mean what it used to be the dcu now it's called the dceu the extended mm-hmm. universe like they had yeah. to do that because there's so many movies out here that right. are just like because they're not all connected yeah not it's like... not like the mcu and that's fine like i'm okay with that and i honestly i wasn't okay with it until this but I'm, I'm really becoming okay with that thought. Um, real quick, before we wrap up here, let's talk about that apocalyptic dream sequence. Um, from what I gathered, Aquaman is dead. Amber Heard is taking his... I swear if Amber Heard takes his place, I'm going to be pissed. I have, a lot of, I, have a, I have a lot of Amber Heard opinions that I'm yeah. not even going to share right now. I'm a huge Johnny Depp guy. So Same. I'm whatever um <laughs> but lois being the key again that goes back to that uh what, what is that what's it called the what that storyline where the oh, injustice tricks. injustice i don't know i don't i don't know what i was gonna say um but that goes back to that same storyline i thought this design of joker is awesome yeah it's like the it's like the the craziness of the of the the Joaquin Phoenix Joker mixed with like the the same gangsteriness of the Jack Nicholson Joker. I, I mean, it's like Heath Ledger, Joaquin Phoenix, and Jack Nicholson combined. It's yeah. like the perfect blend of all three of them together. I, I, a lot of people are gonna owe Jared Leto Jared Leto an apology because yes, I'm not gonna lie. he actually yes. did a pretty bang up job in this one. Yep, and I th- I thought he was very cool. Um, I thought the the conversation between the Joker and Batman were was amazing. When Batman was like, you know, you better like watch watch the next words that are about to come out of your mouth because I'm about to smack him, like smack your lip if you know. Um, 
And even when Batman said, I've been dead inside for a long time and the Joker saying like, well, who's going to give you a reach around if I'm gone? Like stuff like that. Like, I don't know. I, I love seeing the two of them interact in any movie, like whether it's the Nolan trilogy or whether it's um, the Tim Burton film, like I, just seeing the Batman and Joker interact is just like, it's always a treat. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, if they really do the, a, a new film and it's this apocalyptic um, where Batman's trying to create these alternate realities to set things right, um, it would be dark. I think it would be a very rated R, very gritty, dirty, uncomfortable film. And I think it needs to be. I think that's where DC needs... And I've said this so many times. That was the problem with the theatrical cut of Justice League is it tried to be Marvel. And I know Joss Whedon was coming off of Age of Ultron. So he was in Marvel fever and he was trying to have that same vibe. But DC shouldn't have that same vibe. That's why Joker was so successful. Because it didn't go along with anything. It was dark as hell. And it was like, I mean, you, we saw Joker together. There were a few times in that movie that we were both like, oh <laughs> like yeah. they, re- they went there and i feel like dc needs to go there um what if uh what if flashpoint is going to talk about all of that you know what i mean yeah because be i mean awesome. they said they said flashpoint isn't going to be like a direct copy of the comic book yeah well, i mean who they knows can, they can do it they can make i mean we already know that uh um Mike, michael keaton is going to be in the flash film mm-hmm. we know that that's i completely confirmed. forgot like literally after seeing this movie it's after seeing the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League like it's like all of these plans the DCU are making right now like like it's not necessary like you have it you have you have the movie that can propel your uh universe to new heights and yet you're still making all these other side things which I'm sure they'll be good and, and that's but, where Warner Brothers is I, I'm sorry I, I'm not a Warner Brothers hater but that's so stupid. You have such a good movie on your hands and a good story. And they could do it. You know they could do it. They could take that Flash movie and make it about opening these alternate realities. And like, and then even at the end of that movie, you have a cameo where the Joker and Lex Luthor and whoever you bring in to do this um, makes that plan. And you could make a second Justice League film and do it the same way you did it with this one. Put it on HBO Max, make it four hours, make it five hours. Who cares? You know what I mean? You could do it, but they they won't because it's not the DCEU canon. And that's yeah. stupid to me. Hopefully they'll, hopefully they'll catch up. I think with uh, this movie coming out, I think it'll be a real... Um eye-opener for warner bros i think though i hope so. i think this one will like shift the focus on what the dc eu is going to want to do and yeah. we could all just hope so if not we'll just keep throwing memes and hashtags at them <laughs> but they listen that's what i, I hope say. so um and then when batman was talking about uh harley quinn dying did batman kill harley quinn yeah you think i think so or is that confirmed i think I think I don't think Batman killed her. I think she was just gonna like die on her own. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah. like it's it's like that it's like that uh Dark Knight thing. He says, "I'm not I'm I'm not gonna kill you, but it doesn't mean I have to save you," kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I well, think it's just one I, of those. And, and you know, even when um, 
when he was talking about Harley Quinn having beef with the Joker, which is different because she's all like, oh, Mr. J. Like, so, like, enamored with him when Batman said, and make no, like, you know, when I kill you and make no mistakes, I will fucking kill you. I was like, I was like, whoa, we're, we're, we're going there. Like, this is, yeah. this is legit. We're, we're doing this now. This is rated R and this is kind of wild. Um, I just, I, I thought it was really cool. I thought it was a cool sequence. It was one of my favorite sequences of the film. It is. And it really sets a tone for what could be. Absolutely. Um, and then of course you wanted to bring up real briefly, the Martian Manhunter scene at the end with that beautiful final shot of Bruce walking out you have the forest and Gotham in the background and the, the asylum. I, I believe that was the asylum, um, mm-hmm. off to the right. It, it was a gorgeous shot, but what, what do you think of the Martian Manhunter thing? Yeah, I I like I like the fact that they brought him in, I like it, but I think he could have been introduced way better, probably way better, and uh, I don't like the fact that he called himself the Martian Manhunter. Mm. Like he has a name, I forgot what it was called. Like he has like a name for himself from Mars, but I it would have been it would have been dope for him to call him that call himself that because that's his yeah. actual name, but he went with people call me martian manhunter i'm like (laughs) that didn't sit well to be completely honest i mean and i told you this before we started recording um when it first showed him as martha this man didn't know who he was i didn't it didn't like now looking back in hindsight i'm like oh duh like okay yeah that was the martian manhunter but during there was nothing to set him up there was no like easter eggs of like hey we're gonna get martian manhunter in this movie it was just random and when that happened i was like he thought there were scrolls in this movie (laughs) they're gonna do the marvel versus dc the uh, dc thing avengers versus justice league yeah no but i it just it didn't even dawn on me of like who it was but um overall man and then of course at the end when it said for autumn uh, going back to Zack Snyder's daughter, man, and Hallelujah playing, which I, I believe I remember seeing was her favorite song. Um, did, overall, fantastic. It completely changed my outlook on the DC universe. Um, it, it, it made me care so much more about characters that I didn't really care about to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I cared about them, but I wasn't invested. And now I feel invested i want more and that's the other one of the bigger compliments i can give it is that it left me wanting more you know yeah with the the theatrical cut i was just like i okay i mean i've seen it once i really don't care if they ever do a sequel to it but this i want to see a sequel to this movie so what's your uh what's your honest rating of uh zack snyder's justice league i would give it a like an eight or mm. eight and a half i would say yeah. because obviously i had some strong opinions on why i didn't like the movie so i would give it about an eight and a half but because it was still a stellar one of the one of the best dceu movies yeah what about I, you for me man I, i'm i'm I, I i can't believe that i'm saying it but i'm giving it a 10 it's a 10 out of 10 for me it really is um and i know we talked about the that first act was slow and there there were things that i i didn't like about it obviously there's things you're going to dislike about any movie but i i i would put it on the same playing field as endgame or infinity war and both of them are tens Mm -hmm. so i i i thoroughly enjoyed it it surprised me 
um, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. So it's a so win for it's a win for superhero fans. It's a win for Zack Snyder, um, and it's ultimately a win for his daughter. You know, absolutely. And I think he definitely honored her in that. So, uh, guys, tell us what did you think of Zack Snyder's Justice League? This has been episode number fourteen. Please leave us a comment if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple or Google or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, please be sure to tweet at us at We Talk the Movies and let us know what you thought of the Snyder Cut. Uh, new episodes drop on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We release new episode or new new episodes, new videos on Wednesdays and Fridays on YouTube, and uh, we'll have some additional content coming your way real soon. So we hope everything is really good in your world. Congratulations to Zack Snyder again and everybody who made this Snyder Cut happen. We will talk to you all soon. Peace. Peace.